Hello, and welcome to Talking Opinions. I am your host, Anthony Livingston Hall. In its obituary of Vernon Jordan on March 2, the Washington Post highlighted a series of biographical facts that defy comprehension. Chief among them is that he never held elective office, was never a member of any president's cabinet, and never even worked for the federal government. It also marveled that he was an acclaimed lawyer who almost never appeared in court, a master corporate lobbyist who was never a registered lobbyist, and a shrewd political strategist who never managed a political campaign. Of course, the reason all of that defies comprehension is that Jordan was generally recognized for decades as one of the most influential people in Washington. Oddly enough, according to the Post, it was more subjective traits like his commanding presence, personal charm, and inviolable discretion that made him the confidant of presidents congressional leaders, business executives, and political activists. Whatever the case, one is left with the impression that the man was either a black zelig or a black Forrest Gump. I shall spare you any further recitation of Jordan's well-known biography, which you can read anywhere if you are truly interested. In fact, I had grave reservations about paying any tribute at all. Foremost because, in commentaries dating back to 2010, I have decried the viral contagion of people paying tributes that eulogize themselves more than the person who died, but also because I am reliably informed that the only tribute Jordan would want from 99.9% of us is a pledge to mentor young people the way he did. I hereby make that pledge but anyone who knows anything about Jordan knows that none of us will ever measure up to him in this respect. That said, I overcame my reservations when I remembered something that profoundly affected my admiration for this pioneering black man. And, as a social critic who shows no fear or favour, I'd be remiss now not to mention it. So here goes. Older establishment blacks like Jordan supported President Barack Obama like the proud parents of a child prodigy. This is why you'd be forgiven for having no clue that they initially dismissed his candidacy as nothing more than the uppity fairy tale which Bill Clinton 
once famously called it. As it happened, I was heralding Obama as the second coming of JFK in commentaries like It's Time, Run Obama, Run, on October 24, 2006. But back then, blacks like Jordan were so beholden and committed to Bill and Hillary Clinton's two-for-one presidential bargain, they were as inclined to call Obama Osama as malaprop George W. Bush was. But then came Obama Day Tuesday in January 2008, and everybody knew his name. This because Obama began polling in ways that began raining on Hillary's parade to the Democratic nomination. Instead of welcoming the historic challenge he was posing, however, older establishment blacks began treating Obama like that proverbial skunk at the garden party. I denounced their reaction in BET founder executes black-on-black hit for Hillary on January 15, 2008. In fact, founder Bob Johnson tried to convince black voters while visiting a black church with Hillary, no less, that Bill was blacker than Barack. Of all the things that were wrong with his sermon that dark Sunday, forgetting that Hillary was the Clinton running for president, was the least of them. More to the point, though, Jordan soon explained why he too was sticking with Hillary, by intoning infamously that, I'm too old to trade friendship for race. Think about that, folks, and just imagine where the black race would be today if black pioneers like Booker T. Washington, A. Philip Randolph, and Thurgood Marshall had ever felt that way. Not to mention that, like Johnson, Jordan seemed unable to grasp that Obama was running against Hillary, not his friend Bill. I still respected Jordan as a power broker, but I never admired him as much as a man after that quip because that struck me as an even greater betrayal of our race than Michael Jordan refusing to endorse Black Harvey Gant for senator by intoning infamously that Republicans buy sneakers too. I still respected this Jordan as a basketball player, but I never admired him as much as a man after that quip. I don't know if Barack Obama's preeminent grace or Vernon Jordan's graceful preeminence was the prevailing factor, but it is a curious thing that Jordan ended up being as much a counselor to President Obama as he was to President Clinton. A uh, bill, that is. <laughs>
But there is no denying, the man had clout. Jordan died on Monday at his home in Washington, D.C. He was 85. Farewell, Mr. Jordan. That's it. Thank you for listening, and until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.